Welcome to the Push Performance Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Push Performance Podcast. Um, today has got a pretty small group. We got Mr. Brandon Monahan with me. How are we doing, guys? And Ashton Newell. Hello, hello. And then special guest uh, Zach Sorensen with uh, Atlanta Braves. How's it going, everybody? Um, you're with the Braves, correct? Yes, with the the Atlanta Braves organization. Nice, ice, awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, can I just explain who you are, what you do, and we'll go from there? Yeah. So, so again, Zach Sorensen. I'm a former ball player myself. Um, so I, I went to Wichita State University back in the olden days. Uh, was a second round draft pick by the Cleveland Indians. Played ten years professional baseball. One year, almost a full season in the big leagues with the Indians, and then also almost a full season with the Anaheim Angels. And, uh, you know, after getting out of the game, I, I wanted to find a way to get back into it and try to find a way to make an impact and make a difference. And what I realized that one of the things I needed the most or needed more of was mental performance training. And so uh, when, I, when I felt like it was time to get back in, I went and got my master's in sports psychology. And, and then uh, since then have been working, you know, with, with teams. Uh, I spent one year with the Texas Rangers organization, and then I've been with the Braves. This is year number two for me. Uh, working at that level and also, you know, working with, with high school players, with college players or whatever sport it may be, just trying to help gain or allow them to gain an advantage in the mental game. So that's where my passion is. That's where it lies. I love talking the game. I love talking all things performance uh, because I needed that to get to where I was able to get to as a player. But for me, the, the separator ended up being in mental performance. So I'm super excited to bring some of what I've learned to hopefully help any individual out there that wants to kind of take their game from where they are to where they want to be. I mean, this is something that we've been wanting to get a part of, you know, in general is mental, the mental side of stuff. That's definitely something that we nobody talks enough about. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, we're we're learning just as much as you're, you're able to teach today, truthfully. Um, you know, we've worked with a couple people in the past, um, you know, out in Colorado, we have somebody that was, that was doing some just neurofeedback stuff. Um, they do a great job and they do some remote stuff, but it's about the tip of the iceberg for us. I mean, what do you know about that, Brandon? Um, you know, it's <laughs> basically mental toughness is, you know, you hear that a lot, but you know, it's like, what, what is mental toughness? Yeah, it's not running so. poles and you know, grinding your dick in the ground while you're, yeah. while you're, while you're doing stuff to great mental toughness, you know what I mean? So just the metal, the metal capacity, you know, the brain's the smartest, most powerful thing in the body, obviously. Right. So you can trick yourself to being in a positive mindset or a negative mindset, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, just kind of talk about, you know, what, what flaws we see in, in baseball performance and what, you know, strengths we see in baseball performance, all that kind of stuff. Just kind of talk about what you do on an everyday basis, all that. Yeah, I think you make a very valid point. I think when we think about mental toughness, we think just go harder. You know, just just push through, grind through all of the struggle. And if it wasn't good enough, then then go harder. And, and that's kind yeah. of our response to it, and that's kind of how it's been. And, you know, I, I think as we continue to push performance in all areas and all aspects, and I know that's what you guys, you know, uh, do for all of your athletes is you're, you're pushing and challenging performance in so many ways. There comes a time where you're, you're maxing out your, your physical performance, you're maxing out all different things. And then it just becomes about the brain. So let me give you an example. When I started to get into this, right, I decided I wanted to do it. I was sitting actually at a ball game with my former general manager of the Cleveland Indians. He's now the president of the Toronto Blue Jays. And when I told him what it is that I wanted to do, he got pretty excited. And he says, the higher up you get in this game, and I'll add anything for, for that matter. But the higher up you get in this game, 
the less important talent is. And I paused for a moment. I did exactly what you guys are doing right now. I was shaking your head. And I said, I think I know exactly what you're talking about, but I want to hear you explain it. And he looks at me and he says, everybody's got it. Everybody's got it. You know, I, you know, I sit in my meetings. In fact, I was on a meeting this morning with our, our whole pitching department. You know, the majority of our players are throwing 93 miles an hour plus, right? And, and so they have the talent, ability, and, and skill to be major league players. But what's the separator? You know, what's going to get them from one level to the next as they keep trying to climb the ladder or climb the dream, however you want to explain it. And as you get closer, it becomes managed. In my opinion, it becomes managed in your mind. You know, yeah, there, there are some other things, you know, injuries factor into it, work ethic factors into it, of course. But most of the guys at that level have that work ethic. So it comes into managing your mind. And so the question is, is how are you going to how are you going to go about doing it? So a lot of the things that we dive into and we talk about, in fact, I kind of have structure in my programming. I have a program and then I try to um, spe- or individualize it based on what my players needs are. But the things that I talk about and I'll break them down for you, process over outcome. We are outcome-based individuals. We are always looking at the outcome. You know, for me, when I was a young kid, I wanted to play in the big leagues. That was it. That was the outcome. We stared at that. And, and the reality of it was is I wasn't going to be satisfied until I did that. Is that good to think like that? It, it can be. The problem is, is you're never, ever at you, – you never can, can continually grow because you're always going to be disappointed in where you're at. So process over outcome is something we, we tackle. And I think we'll probably dive into that on this, on this call right here as, as we go into that. The next thing is honest self-evaluation. How can we gather and gain as much information possible from what we're doing on a daily basis? We do that in all other aspects of performance, right? We do that in the weight room. We do it now with, with the, all the metrics when it comes to, to pitching and hitting and this and that. We, we gather information. We measure everything. And, and what I try to do is get my players to do that as well when it comes to their mind, all right? Emotional control. How do we manage the ups and downs of, of, of a season, of a game, of an outing, whatever it may be? And our goal is not for it to be like an amusement park, okay? We don't want it to be a roller coaster. We don't want it to be super high and super low. We want to manage our emotions day in and day out. Never-ending eagerness to get better. That's the growth mindset, okay? We talk about that. We read about that a lot. And what I found out is the higher up I've been in this game, um, the more the players have this growth mindset. They want to learn everything and anything. They will do anything that I throw at them. They're, they're all in when it comes to that. And the buy-in at the major league level is, is unbelievable, especially compared to my younger players. All right. Um, overpowering adversity and embracing failure. Of course, that's something we got to hit really hard. Our players deal with failure in this game a ton. And, and how do you maintain or manage your confidence when you are continually failing? So that's something we probably ought to dive into a little bit as well, because confidence is always the biggest thing I get asked about. And then mastering mental imagery um, is what I attack next. And mental imagery is, is seeing yourself do things ahead of time. And what's crazy, like you talked about, this brain is this amazing muscle that we have, but it has one flaw. And it doesn't know the difference between what you see yourself do mentally and what you really are physically doing. It's all the same. And so when I get my players to buy into this imagery and visualization, it's amazing what they can do. I mean, we can, we can pull somebody straight out of a hitting slump just because he goes home and visualizes himself getting hits. It's awesome. And then the last thing I talk about is, is you know, amongst others, but the last thing I really try to focus on is, is mastering your self-talk. You know, you have 40 to 50 thoughts that are run through your mind every single minute. And if I were to ask you guys right here, right now, I want you to throw out a number. Do you have, first of all, do you have more positive thoughts or negative thoughts? Each one of you, go ahead. Well, lately, lately for me, I've been focusing on positive thoughts. You know, I've been I've been doing a lot of meditation stuff and, um, you know, every single literally every single day, morning and night, I, I do it. 
Um, yeah. I do like a light feedback meditation deal. Um, how you're, you know, just stimulating my brain and with light therapy, and then also an audio uh, response where I'm how I'm feeling, what I need for that day. There's different options. If I need help sleeping, you know, a success um, aspect or a stress aspect or whatever it may be. So I, I used to be somebody that used to stress a lot, right? A ton and have a ton of anxiety. And now it's more so getting to the point where it's like a lot of positive thought. And, you know, that's something I've really had to work on myself personally. Um, it's just, it's just, you know, it's hard truthfully, you know, and granted, yeah, I'm always going to have negative thoughts in my head, you know, running, running a business and, you know, overseeing two locations and lots of staff members and all that stuff. It's hard for me, you know, and just to keep it positive during our slow months when everybody leaves, everybody going to spring training and right. the gym's completely empty. And it's like, Oh shit. Like, what do I do now? You know, you know what I mean? Um, but you know, just taking the small steps and having more gratitude for what I'm doing on my side, you know, and in baseball, I try to be perfect. Like you were talking, you know, and, it was something like, you know, it's okay to fail. You know that like now I realize, you know, I failed so many times in my life, but I've learned so much more by that failure and take and then twisting that into that positive mindset. Right. And just not allowing that to happen again, essentially. Um, granted, you know, I'm not going to go 10 for 10 in a baseball game, but you know, if I can get, you know, three, three out of 10 or two and a half hits out of 10, you know, when I'm a slump, that's pretty good, you know? So, um, you, you see, I see it with our big league guys. I know you do too, Brandon. Like, there's a big difference between our big league guys, even our high level minor league guys, you know, um, on the mindset and how they approach the weight room, how they approach their nutrition, how they approach their sleep. You know, it's just the maturity aspect of stuff. But, you know, and then you have a huge gap between college and pro guys. Then you have a huge, even bigger gap between the high school and college guys. You know, the high school guys think they have it figured out. And it's just like, it's just, you know, they're beating themselves up on a bad outing or they're beating themselves up on going 0 for 6 or whatever it may be. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, they don't realize that you, they barreled three baseballs and, you know, just bad luck. Or they made three, four, five, six really good pitches and the ball just was not – just didn't go their way, you know. And for me, it's just like going long story short, is like I, I'm focusing more on the positive side of stuff. That's why this stuff intrigues me, you know. And – you know, if I were to look at the negative aspect and I see it every single day in the facility, you know, um, a couple of couple of our stud athletes have a bad outing. And it's just you can see it on the wear on their shoulder. They put their headphones in. Don't say a damn word to anybody. And they talk, you know, or, or they work out, you know, instead of just jumping on jumping under the rack. Once that outing is done, wash it out, wash it out, you know, kind of brain flush it. And then what are we going to do to get better the next day, essentially? Yeah, I love it. And, and, you know, I can tell that you've been doing training. And, and the reason why you have to do training is because we struggle in those areas, right? So as players, I know I did. It, it, you know, it, you probably did as well. And so it's like, okay, what can I do? That was my biggest weakness. These guys make For sure. Work. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and and so, you know, and it comes down to that. When it comes to that, you know, the negative thinking, it was interesting. I guess I should let everybody else give me a number. You know, are you more negative or more positive? And then give me a percentage of what are your thoughts are positive versus negative. Um, for me, I used to be a really big stressor of everything. <laughs> um, and that's kind of how I got into teaching yoga. So I help teach some of our athletes here and just coming back to 
you're always, yeah, coming back to all the stressors in your mind and even some of them, you know, getting them that chance to just slow down and breathe. It's not always about just going hard in the weight room. Um, but that's helped me as well. Just take that second to slow down and focus on my breath and let go of random thoughts as silly as that may sound, but just really focus on the breath to get back to what's going on here in that present moment. So I would say 50, 50 for me. <laughs> I'm still working on it. I'm a stresser, but that, that would be mine. How are you, Brennan? <laughs> um, you know, like as a, as a player, um, you know, back then I was probably much more negative than positive. And then now, now that I'm a little older and on the coaching side, um, I think you kind of have to look at which lens then for me, I think, you know, on the coaching side, I'm obviously a lot more positive with the athletes and, you know, like you said, coaching guys through slumps and just making sure you're just looking for any kind of positive outcome or um, something you can take away positive from any kind of situation where, and then I think negatively though, I'm really tough on just myself. Um, I'm the first person where like, if I, you know, just make a mistake or, you know, do something dumb, it's just like, I'm the first person to start thinking negative. Like, how did that happen? Like, why would you do something like that? So it's just like, um, I think I'm kind of in the middle. I might actually maybe be a little bit more by 60, 40 negative then um, over the positive. Uh, I think it's just, yeah. I just kind of, you mentioned it earlier, just being kind of your toughest critics and just holding yourself um, really accountable for the stuff you do. But then it's like maybe kind of turning that, holding accountable, maybe more positive than negative. Yeah, I think I think you're right on. What's interesting is, you know, so I, I was up speaking to a group of coaches at a convention and it was like, oh, you know, more positive, more negative. Or when I go work in a, in a, in a home with an athlete, mom and dad are always like, oh, my son's a pretty positive kid overall. I look to the son or the or the daughter and I'm like, are you more positive or more negative thoughts? And every single one of them's like, oh, way more negative. I'm like, That's my wife, 100%. I know. <laughs> She's, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and what's interesting, so I was like, man, I'd love to be able to do a study that could determine, you know, what the average percentage is. Uh, and about a week later, I'm, I'm driving in the car, listening to an audio book, and it's like, you know, 40 to 50 thoughts a minute. And there's been a study done, so I perk up, and it's like 74% of your thoughts are negative on average. Wow. And I'm like, wow, wow, 74% yeah. of your thoughts are negative. And so then I pull off the side of the road. I'm like, hey, Siri, what was the average major league batting average last year in the big leagues, you know? And series like, yeah, the average batting average last year in the big leagues was 260. So I'm like, hold on a sec. So 74% negative thoughts. Oh, average batting average is 260. I'm oh, like, boy. I mean, total coincidence, right? Total coincidence. <laughs> but but let me, but then I turn to my hitters, and about five minutes into this, half my hitters are like, oh, wait a second, I got what you're talking about, right? But the point is, is I'm like, my goal is to bring 74% down to 50. What if we could we what if we could get you to the point to where you only think that you're no good or that you suck half of the time? You know, you know, and then the question is, is, would you be a better player? And the answer is yes. So this is where this gets fun for me is because, you know, I, I think in the past, like even when I was coming up through as a player, we dealt with sports psychologists and we had, you know, clinical psychologists on staff and we'd go in and talk about things. Um, and, and I value what they had to say. And I agreed with everything they said. But as a player, I want something to do about it. I want to be able to go do something about it. And again, the higher up you get in the game when I'm dealing with major league players or triple A guys or double A guys. They're like, yeah, I know I'm struggling with this. What can I do about it? And so I've been adamant in my, I guess you call it research, in my, you know, asking questions, finding things for these guys to do day in and day out. So the skill is going to be this mental performance mastery. Okay. To make a skill you have, or the, sorry, the skill set is mental performance mastery. You have skills that are going to make up what mental toughness or mental performance mastery is. And, and those were the seven that I threw at you earlier, process over outcome, honest self-evaluation, emotion control, and then down the list. 
but the most important part of it is what are the drills that are going to make up the skills? Okay, so what can I give you to do day in and day out to help you build what we're going to call mental performance mastery? And that's, again, where this gets exciting. So my players that struggle with, with self-talk, what can I give them to do so that they can overpower that kind of a cool story. I got a call, you know, a week ago, one of my players was, was struggling, you know, these guys right now, you know, especially after what happened last year with, with the pandemic and sitting out a whole season, they're struggling, you know, and, and they, I mean, no, everyone understands we totally get it. Right. We're not going to say just, just go harder. Like we talked about earlier, no, we yeah. understand that this is a tough time for them, whether it just be timing, but especially, you know, emotionally and mentally. And so one of my players goes out there, throws an inning, and uh, they, they call him in and they say, man, he's having a tough time out there. He couldn't go back out for the second inning. He just didn't have it in him. Mm-hmm. And so I reach, I reach out to him, touch base, and, and I, first of all, I looked at his line, and he was like, man, one hit, one walk, no runs. And I'm like, he actually golly, he threw well. He threw great. But I get to him, and he's like, I just couldn't manage it. I couldn't do it. So I said, they call me up the day later, and they said, can he go back out there tonight? And I'm like, wow, I got to get him back out there on two days notice when he's struggling with some of this mental, mental skills. And so I call him up and I'm like, you good to go tonight? And he's like, ah, I don't know. What am I going to do about it? Right. So there it is. So what are the things that I can give an athlete to kind of get them back out and allow them to be able to perform the way they want to perform? And that's why this gets so fun and exciting. So I threw two things at him. I, I went right back to exactly what we talked about before. I talked about the breath, right? Why do you breathe? Right. I'm really big on the breath for my players. They should be doing it between every single pitch. It does two things for you. It allows you to relax and it allows you to focus. And when our players, yep, one day, every day. And when our players are relaxed and when focused, they're pretty darn good players. They really are. Right. And so um, getting them to buy into that actually hasn't been as tough as I thought. When I was a player, I'm like, what do you mean breathe? You know, what's that going to do for me? But it allows you to relax and to focus. And then I made them talk out loud. So I overpowered their negative thinking by having them talk out loud to themselves. Because I always say to people, can you control what you think? Yes or no? What do you guys think? Can you control what you think? I think you, you can't control what you think, but you can control the outcome of what you're thinking, if that makes sense. No, you're going to have to break that down for me. So, in my opinion, like thoughts are going to pop into your head. Right. Right. But it's a matter of how you react to those thoughts. How are you going to adjust and change course on what just popped in your head? Like, what does it mean? You know, like for me, it's like I can visualize a stop sign if it's a poor thought. I can visualize a stop sign and say stop, right? Literally, it's as weird as that sounds. Like for me, it's like, all right, stop. And then, or I'll just write it down real quick and it's out of my head, like kind of a brain dump style thing, right? Um, you know, just kind of, you know, I don't think you can prevent what goes into your brain, truthfully. Right. But, but it's how you react to what of what is inside that brain, I guess. Yeah. No, and I, lo- I love how you say that. And that's a big thing we talk about. You know, it comes back to like the book Above the Line by Urban Meyer. He talks about the success formula for him. It's E plus R equals O. The event that takes place plus the way you respond to it equals the outcome. You can't control the event whatsoever, right? You can control the way you respond to it. So you're, you're responsible for half of the outcome just based on how you respond to the event. So where's our focus? You know, in the past, our focus was on the event, right? Or even on the outcome, both things we cannot control. When you start shifting players and getting them to focus on the way they respond to things, game changer for them. So Absolutely. I, I, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, how much are you working with, like, the nutrition staff to prevent kind of like that poor mindset because obviously when you think about it right like your thoughts and your sleep and your nutrition all go together right your anxiety so like the foods you choose 
are determined by the way you sleep. The way you sleep are determined by the way the way you think, right? And then so on down down the line. So you know, thinking about poor things, stressing about things, you're going to lose sleep. Losing sleep is going to lead you to poor nutrition aspects, or poor nutrition is going to lead to poor sleep, and poor sleep is going to lead to, to poor thoughts, essentially. You know what I mean? And this is something that my wife and I dive into. She's a nutritionist. Um, you know, we dive into a lot, and I, I play. I see a huge, huge benefit in proper nutrition and mental performance. Yeah, I, I think you're right on. In fact, do you guys have a baseball bat close by? Uh, we have thousands in here. Yeah, if not, grab, grab a bat, and I'll, I'll talk yeah. until we get a bat in our hands. Because I, I think, I think what we're going to hit really hard here is, is this one concept yeah, right here. You're absolutely right on, okay, uh, when it comes to nutrition. Now, what's interesting is back when I was a player compared to now, I mean, right now all the teams have elite nutritionists on staff, and the way that these these players get fed is unbelievable. And and that you do see a difference in performance based on that. I agree with you 100%. I love that you also added sleep into that because, for me, sleep is a game changer, you know. You know, functioning on, on four and a half, five hours of mediocre sleep is not going to get it done, right? No. Yeah. And, and so those two are huge components, but everything that you're talking about that I, and I love this, it always comes back to me. So I got asked this question the other day. What's, what's one thing that you know now that you wish you would have known back then? Okay. As a player. And I said, well, I think if I were to focus on one thing, it would be control what you can control. All right. So yeah. one of the, yeah, one, one of the very first things I do with my players is I say, okay, you're frustrated, you're upset, you're pissed off, whatever it is. Tell me why, what are the things that are upsetting you in your world right now? Okay. And they'll say, well, I'm not getting the playing time that I want. My velocity is not where it needs to be. Um, my, my ERA is high. My batting average is low. Okay. Uh, you know, the pandemic, I'm not, I, I want to play games and I can't play games. So anyway, we make this big, long laundry list of things that are really frustrating them. I, I write them all down. And then I go back to them and I'm like, okay, now we're going to go back through that list of items that you just gave me. And we're going to categorize these in can control and can't control. Okay. So can you control if you get a hit? Yes or no? No. You can't control if you get a hit. What are we focused on? Getting hits. Right. Can you control if you win or not? Yes or no? No. You can't control if you win. You can influence it, but you can't control it. What do we focus on? wins and so all of like 90 percent of the things that really cause that anxiety the word we bring up or stress in our lives are based on things that we can do nothing about and so what we try to do is make that a big point and then we try to eliminate the things that are in the can't control list by focusing on things that are in the list of things you can control so so what are those things you know your attitude your effort you know your body language your energy that you bring day in and day out how you respond to certain things uh your, your nutrition, right? The type of workouts you're getting, your sleep, all of those things that you can control. If you can ultra focus on those things, you're going to be happy with who you are. You really are. So com comments on that before we jump into this real quick. I mean, I fully agree, right? I mean, it's about the process and, you know, how, how you build up to that process to put yourself in the best situation to at least sketch a barrel on a baseball so you can possibly get a hit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's you. I mean, how? What can you do? You. I mean, you can't help if you make an error, but you can not make mental errors, I guess. Yeah, totally. I mean, did, how was your process leading up to that ball coming to you? You can't yeah. do anything about the fact that it hit a little pebble yeah. uh, on the field. Nothing. 
but yeah. how was your approach? You know, how was your setup? How was your preparation? You know, are you going to deviate from it if you're in a slump, right? If, if you know it's going to work, you literally, like, as cliche as it is, trusting that process, right? Right. It's, you know, that's so cliche, but so true at the same time. Yeah, and my guys will say that to me all the time. They, they get the idea of trust the process because they hear that, right? I mean, we, we coach that, we teach that. And then I turn around to them and said, great, what's your process? Or is the process right? Yeah. Is it the right process? Totally. And what's interesting is even, even to what is your process, they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you told me you're going to trust your process. What's your process? What does it look like? What's your pregame routine look like? What does your morning routine look like? And it's really interesting. Um, my mentor in the game, has in, in sports psychology has been able to work with Corbin Burns, who's absolutely dominating right now. And he's, he's giving all the credit to his mental performance training that he's had in the past year and a half. And some of the things he's talking about, they're all routine based, right? They're all, what does your routine look like? And it's pretty impressive to see what his routine looks like. So I'll sit down with an athlete and be like, Hey, let's break this down. What does this look like? Let's make this happen. So grab that bat real quick. Let's talk. I'm going to show you this real quick. Cause it's pretty cool. And, and for those of you who can't see this, but can only hear it, I'll make sure that I explain what's going on. So we have a bat in our hands. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my left hand out in front of me and hold the bat upright okay in the palm of my hand now my right hand is still holding the you know just just above the handle just so i can balance this thing now here's what i want you to do i want you to take your eyes and focus on the very top of the bat okay and then on three you're going to let go with your right hand and your job is to balance this baseball bat three two one go Okay, try it again. Keep your eyes on the very top of that bat and i want to this see is way, this is a uh, heavy loaded weighted bat on the top end so <laughs> Okay. There you go. There you go. You got it. All right. You've got that balance pretty darn well. Yeah. All right. Now grab it with your hand again. We're going to do the exact same thing, except this time I want you to change. Where, no, keep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You can do your other hand if you want. I want you to put your eyes down at the very bottom of the bat. Okay. Down by the knob of the bat. And I want you to balance it with your eyes down at the knob of the bat. Three, two, one, go. Okay. What happens? <laughs> False. Way fast. Yeah, you're, you're, you're way out of control. Okay. Now, did you change the circumstances? No. Did you change the bat? No. Did you change your hands? Absolutely not. The only thing you change is your focus. You change your focus from the top of the bat to the bottom of the bat. You went from focusing on things that you can control to focusing on things that you can't control. And when you focus on things that you can't control, you become out of control. And that's what we saw, right? You become out of control. And so that's why it's adamantly important that you, you bear down on the things that you can't control. And, and so, you know, that, that kind of leads us into the other scenarios and other situations. Um, but, but it's just very, very important that our players right out of the gate make sure that they're focused on things that they can't control and that we define those for them, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we see guys struggle all year, right, whether that be an, an injury, Right, guys struggle with injury, and then they have that mental block of the injuries. Their arm going to feel better when they start throwing again, or whatever it may be. Or like I put so much work into my off season, like why am I hurt? Blah blah blah. Start pointing fingers, you know. And it's a lot of things they could have controlled by throwing, having a better throwing program, better nutrition, better sleep, whatever it may be, you know. Instead of pointing the finger in the mirror at themselves, they'll turn around and point the finger at somebody else, you know. And I think taking self-accountability on knowing what you can control versus what you can't, can't control is probably the biggest thing for me personally learning as I've grown a business, you know, right. um, you know, whether, you know, in baseball is just, I, I always 
wore it on my sleeve. Like, I was like always pissed off at myself. I knew it was my fault. But, you know, in business, it's like I learned how to learn that way too, you know? And um, it goes it goes with sport. It goes with family. It goes with baseball. It goes with whatever. I mean, business, excuse me. I mean, you have to control what you can, and you can't control what you can't. You have to realize that, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right on it. And I think maybe you brought it up again. Maybe we got to touch on that real quick. Let's talk about losing. Let's talk about failure real quick and and how that, you know, how we apply that, how we deal with that. Um, so if I, if you guys were to give me one word to describe what losing feels like, what word would you throw at me? Go ahead. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, losing and defeating, but, like, yeah. that's the same word, right? I mean, you can't really use that. It's just depressed, depressing. Deflated. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I think everybody that I ask the question to, I get similar answers. There was a clip from Kobe Bryant that I use all the time. And Kobe obviously is, a, you know, one of the ultimate champions that we've been around. Whether you like him or not, he was a champion. And he gets asked the question, what does losing feel like to you? And he says it's exciting. Okay, so one of my jobs in mental performance is to change your perspective, right? I want to change your perspective, just like the FedEx logo. You guys have all seen this before. The FedEx logo, you've looked at it every single day, especially at my house, because my wife gets packages delivered every <laughs> single day, right? And then all of a sudden, like a year ago, after I've seen this logo for 500 years, someone's like, have you seen the hidden you know, symbol inside the FedEx logo? And many people have heard this. If you haven't, look at it. And in between the E and the X, there's an arrow, okay? And what's interesting about that is now that I've seen the arrow inside the FedEx logo, you will never look at it the same again. And all they did was change my perspective. And that's what I try to do with my athletes when it comes to mental performance. See, I, I, I don't call myself a sports psychologist. And, and I call myself a mental performance coach. And just like you go to your strength coach to get stronger and your speed coach to get faster, I want you to come to me to gain this mental performance mastery. So I'm chasing what I'm doing is I'm trying to give my players an advantage. You know, you're not coming to me because you're weak. You're coming to me because you want to build up and get stronger, just like all of your athletes are coming to each one of you guys. And so I want to be seen as the same thing, because in the past, going to a sports psychologist means you're struggling. And, and yeah, I'm going to be there if you're struggling. But my goal is to give you things to do before you get to that point. All right. So it's all about changing perspective. So Kobe Bryant just changed my perspective and hopefully changed your perspective on what losing feels like. And here's why. He says losing is exciting because that's where the answers are okay yeah i mean that's yeah. like earlier failures you learn you learn from failure right, right? You yeah. Said, you know, losing yeah. and losing and failure is two different words in my opinion but they're not i sure. guess yeah no i totally see where you're going with that absolutely yeah. And if you can have the perspective that it's okay to push yourself to those outer limits because that's where you're going to be exposed. And once you get exposed, you take that information that was exposed and you attack it in a way in which you be can become better. Then all of a sudden, losing is not the end. Losing is not the, 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 the telltale. Losing is like, okay, I, I'm glad I had that opportunity to learn that information because now I'm going to be a better player because of it. That's awesome. So as a player, when I was in a ball, I, I was struggling. I think I was hitting like 230 in a ball. And I'm like, oh, this is what everybody talks about. When you get to pro ball, it's a, you know, the game gets more tough, more difficult. And, um, and I went through a really tough time and had to learn a lot. And, you know, one of the things, one of the very first things I do with my athletes when I get a chance to 
is I make sure that they create their very own scouting report on themselves. See, it always has bothered me, and I sit in all these meetings all the time with my organizations, and it's like, okay, here's the scouting report on this player. So they have a scouting report on me. The other team has a scouting report on me. All the scouts from all the teams have reports on me. The only person who doesn't have a scouting report on me is me, and I'm the only one that needs it. So I went to my manager, and I'm like, I need you to give me a scouting report on myself. He's like, well, I don't know if I can give you that information. And I'm like, I need you to give me a scouting report, and I need you to be honest with me. And he ended up giving me a report, okay? It lists all my strengths, it lists all my weaknesses. And, and I'll be honest with you, the list of weaknesses was far outweighed the strengths. It really did. And uh, the next day, he was waiting for me at the clubhouse as I walked in. He's like, are you doing okay? Are you? And I'm like, absolutely. He's like, well, I just gave you a list of everything that you really suck at, right? Everything you really struggle with. And I'm like, if you were honest with me, you just gave me the answers that I need and the things I need to work on to get to the big leagues. So I will get to the big leagues based on whether or not you were honest with me. So I threw it right back at him. But the reason why I tell you that story is a couple years later, I got called up to the big leagues and I asked them, why did you pick me? It wasn't like I was hitting 400 and, you know, with, with 50 bags. And the list of things that they said at that time was exactly the same as my limitations on my scattering report a few years earlier. Okay. So struggle and failure and weakness are not the, the end. They're the beginning. And if I have that information, I can say, you know what, work ethic's not a big deal. If I struggle bunting, I'll, I'll put my time in. If I struggle in the weight room, I'll, I'll make it happen. You know, if I need to put on 15 or 20 pounds of, of, of good muscle, I will go find the right person to help me make that happen. I just need to know what that is. And I think so, so often we're so scared about, you know, what people are thinking about when it comes to our struggles and our weaknesses. We're scared to go there. And what I try to get my players to do is anytime you hear – you know, feedback, especially if it's negative feedback, that's inform that's that information is gold, and you want to grab that information and run with it and apply it. So, I mean, how do we get guys to want to get to that point to even ask? Right? We have, you know, off the top of my head, we have ten league, ten year big leaguers to, you know, we had what six, five first rounders last year or whatever it was, and you know, those guys kind of just. I don't know, coast, say coast, but like our high school guys definitely don't want to look for it. But I think those guys that need it the most, right, are stud level high school guys where, you know, I want them to realize that failure is okay. We've had a couple of kids this year. It's like it, they just didn't have the year that they wanted and they wear on their sleeve and they would beat themselves up over it, you know. Right. right. But I mean, how do we get to that point? It was like, hey, like you need to ask yourself. Or ask, you know, ask us for, you know, what we think about this or, you know, instead of beating yourself up, like, how do we get to that point to bring that to attention? Yeah, again, and this is where I get so excited about, you know, what I try to do with this applied sports psychology. At the end of every single game, I have my athletes fill out what I call a well, better how. It's very simple. It's very easy, but it's a post-game evaluation. You know, what what's... I guess you could say somewhat frustrating is back in the days when I was playing after a game, we would sit down as a group and we'd kind of break down the game. We talk about it. We'd mess around, joke around. Nowadays, when the game's over, the guys are gone. Okay. And they're missing a key component right here. And, and it is gathering of information. Okay. So whether you call that growth mindset or whatever you want to call it, there needs to be a breakdown of what happened that day. And I do it in the form of what I call a well, better how. So I have a simple format. I actually have it in a journal for the guys if they, if they want to go in a journal form. And, and just a side note, I had a player last year. Um, he actually was in the big leagues most of the year last year. They called me to see if I could help him out. And he, and he flipped his, his, um, his season last year. Uh, 
and I asked him, what's the number one tool that I gave you, number one drill that you were able to utilize to help you in mental performance mastery? And he said it was the well better how. So at the end of every single game, I make them write down for pitchers three things, and they don't have to be three, but but I try to do things on purpose with purpose. Three is a big number for a pitcher because we want three strikes, we want three outs. So what are three things that you did well? All right, and it's interesting because it's really hard for players to come up with three things that they did well. We're so, I guess, humble, right? And and we're we're focusing on just beating ourselves up so much, right? That we don't, it's hard for them to come up with three things that they did well. So what are the three things you did well? What are three things you want to do better? And then how are you going to do it? All right, now next to how are you going to do it? I have written down, what is your 1424? Does anybody know what a 1424 is? Good, good. So we always talk about our goal is to get 1% better. That's it. We're chasing getting better. And so I always say, you are a work in progress and your goal is to work in progress. So we're not chasing the best. We're, we're not going to try to be the best because that's an unattainable goal. But can you get better every single day? Yes. And so a lot of people talk about 1% better. And I'm like, I got to break that down even more for my players. 1% of your day is 14 minutes and 24 seconds. And so here's how I apply this. Let's say I'm going through my well, better how, and I'll do an abbreviated version. What did you do well last night? Well, I got three hits. All right. So it's an outcome based performance you know, scenario, and that's fine. What do you want to do better? Well, my last at bat, after I got the base hit off the left-handed pitcher, he picked me off first base. So I want to be better at right reading left-handed pitchers so that I can be more valuable to my team on the base pass. How are you going to do it? What is your 1424? Well, tomorrow for nine minutes, I'm going to grab a left-handed pitcher and I'm going to see if he'll show me his move for nine minutes. And so I can watch it. I'm going to watch a couple minutes of video um, on, on what my mistake was. And then I got I to gotta continue to foam roll because my hips, you know, my hips are tight. Okay, awesome. So that's your 1424. Now, here's why I feel like this is such a big deal. When a weakness or a mistake is exposed in a game, like getting picked off first base, we break it down, we evaluate it, we acknowledge it, we write it down, and then we apply it into a 1424 tomorrow. I attack my weakness the day after it happens. Most of the time, we don't do that. We get picked off first base. We're embarrassed. We get yelled at by our coach. Uh, we, we go hide in the pillow. And then we hope we never get on first base again with a left-handed pitcher. That's how we deal with it. And that's not how we're going to make it happen. As soon as you have a weakness exposed, just like Kobe says, that's exciting. Now I have something to attack tomorrow. And if you think about this, if you can go out and make this happen day in and day out, you're continually getting better. And that's all we can ask for as a staff or of ourselves is to get better, a little bit better every single day. So real, real quick, another story with that. I had a chance to train a 64-year-old CrossFit competitive athlete. Okay, And I say competitive CrossFit athlete. Um, he competes in the games. He has not made it to the regionals yet. So I think they take 150 of the top. Uh, you know, in that age bracket. And he's been sitting right around about 215, which is pretty darn good, right? And so he wanted to go through my programming. So I ran him through the programming and the 1424 hit him really hard. And so here's what he did with it. So the one event, he has two events that he really struggles with. The first event that he really struggles with is he can do pull-ups all day long, but he can't butterfly pull-up. And when you get to the games, if you can butterfly pull-up, it's quicker and you can get through it better. So he decided to see if the 1424 would benefit him. So he invested 14 minutes and 24 seconds every single day for 30 straight days on learning how to do a modified pull-up, which is the butterfly pull-up in the, in the games. And he looked at me and he says, your 1424 did not work for 27 days. But on day 28, and he, get, he jumps up on the bar and just knocks out all of these butterfly pull-ups. 
Once he accomplished that, he says, I will never do it any other way. Okay, so we had a shift in who he was. He then went to doing um, handstand push-ups. He's like, I can't do them yet, right? I can't do them yet. 1424 for 30 straight days, and he got to where he could knock him out. So long story short, he goes back to the games this year, and he finished, you know, he has to finish 152 to move on. I think he finished 117, 118, crushed it. He wow. gives the credit to the 1424. So start thinking about that. You know, let's say you can't do a pull-up yet. Okay, you can't do a pull-up. If you invested 14 minutes and 24 seconds every single day into doing a pull-up or pull-ups in six months, would you be better at pull-ups, yes or no? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, guaranteed. Can you say guaranteed? Yeah, what do you think? Yeah. yeah. I think so. So I think you can apply that to anything in your life. That can be something to the game. It can be something in, in nutrition. It can be something in fitness. It can be your relationship with your spouse. If you invest in 14, 24 every day in your relationship with your, your girlfriend or your spouse, yeah, you're going to see progress. And so when I can get a player to really buy into a 14, 24, and what's cool about it is when I fly around to my different affiliates, my different teams, when I roll in, my first question is, hey, how are you doing? My first question is, is what is your 14, 24? And I know if they can give me an answer, I know that we're chasing progression. And I think that's what we need to chase in this world. hundred oh, percent. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use that with my, my son, you know, and he, yeah. my sons for sure. Absolutely. I love that. It's just a whole different aspect of how to approach mental performance for sure. And saying everybody wears those, those shirts that say 1% better every day. They have no freaking clue. Right. What the one what the one percent is, or how to get one percent better, or whatever it may be, you know. And I think that's that's something for. I mean, just going back on like the question on about losing, it's just like for me, like I look at failure as an as an opportunity. I truly do. But losing and failure, going back to, it, is like the same same shit essentially, right? And right. looking at, I mean, that's I've learned so much today already. Yeah, you know? I know. That's I'm awesome. gonna use that myself. Yeah. <laughs> They're curious. Sure. Um, what's the what's the best way to get started with you? I know you're gonna do some stuff with us, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think we're, we're talking about doing some stuff this summer and, and trying to make it happen. Um, okay. I, I think probably the easiest way to jump on real quick is I started a podcast for all my athletes, um, and and the way I wanted to do it. So I was doing I was doing a podcast with Sean Casey, who's a big time you know yeah. hitter back in there. You guys know Sean Casey is one of the best first oh, yeah. basemen ever played the game, and uh, it was interesting. He was talking to me when he turned like 18 years old his dad bought him the book, the mental, uh, mental game of baseball. And he read out of that book every single day for 18 straight years until he retired from the game. Wow. And it was, I was blown away by that. Just like you guys were right there. And it was funny that night I couldn't sleep. Cause I, I thought I was just so excited about this. What the reality of it was, is I was upset because I let myself down. I'm like, well, I didn't do that. You know, I, I could have had this advantage. I didn't do it. Yeah. So there is huge uh, importance of doing a little bit, a lot. Okay. You got to do a little bit, a lot. And that's what, to me, mental performance, you know, like when I talk to people, I'm not going to take a ton of your time. You know, I'm not going to spend three hours. I can give you a full weekend of, and break down every single thing I like to teach, but how much of that are you going to retain? So you got to do a little bit, a lot. So when I heard myself saying that all the time, I'm like, I need to, you know, I, I need to talk the talk when it comes to that. So I created a, a, a podcast and it's called The Hard 90. I wrote a book last year called The Hard 90, How to Prepare, Compete, and Progress in the Mental Game. And the reason why I call it The Hard 90, because everybody tells me that the mental game is 90% of the game. Um, the problem is, is we do it less than 10% of the time. So the book is called The Hard 90, and then I followed it up with a podcast. It's The Hard 90 Podcast with Zach Sorensen. And I give you a little bit a lot. So Monday through Friday right now, 
you're going to get a four to five minute message every single day based on mental performance topics. And, and, you know, my goal is, is for all my athletes on the way to the gym or the way to the field each and every day is that is to kick that on. And they're going to get just a little bit each and every day. And, and hopefully it'll spark something. They give me a call and then we can break it down. But uh, I think that's probably the easiest way. And then on social, I'm at Z Sorensen four and that's Z S O R E N S E N four on the social platforms. But yeah, I think we're, I think we're working on some plans to, to kind of get together this summer and, and to make some things happen. And just, you know, along the way, if anything pops up or you guys need anything, you know, hit me up and let me know. And, and we'll come. I'm, I'm definitely going to grab your phone number and chat some more for sure. Absolutely. Awesome. You got time for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course. Absolutely. Sweet. Well, I appreciate everything today, man. That's, that was awesome. That was phenomenal. Well, good. I'm glad. And, and like I said, hopefully there's some drills we can start implementing because it's, it's about, getting a little bit better every day and whatever we can do yeah. to get a little bit better. Love it. hundred percent. Sweet. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely. Have a good day. You too. You too. All right. See you guys.